This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and this week we've got a slightly different podcast coming to you, we've got a mini-pod. We haven't done a mini-pod for a while, mini-pod is a mini-podcast, it's not our big one, one hour, one and a half hour podcast, we've got a mini-pod, and instead of focusing on the first team, which we do every week pretty much, we thought this week we're actually going to focus on the Brentford B team, because not many people know about the B team, even us we don't really know that much about the B team. Know a fair bit about the B team, but I thought it'd be quite good to get more information about the B team. So I'm here on a bit of an international flex this time with Mr. Dave Lane and Mr. Cole Mess. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm all good, mate. All good. I'm just tucking into an Egyptian Stella. That's right. That's right. Okay, it's gone all international actually. So we've got North London here, we've got Egyptian Stella man over there, and we've also got the Cole Massey in the house. How are you doing, Cole? I'm good, Bill. I'm good, Bill. And a slightly less glamorous surrounding than Dave. That's, 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 that's right. That's right. Listen, we can't. We can't. We can't all be doing the old, the old, the old Egyptian uh, Bobby Booker, can we? <laughs> yeah, Bobby Booker. Yeah, I won't. I won't do it where I am because I'll. I'll get a few. Uh, I'll get a few glances. I reckon. Yes, I think, <laughs> I think so. I think so. But listen. Anyway, we just thought today. You know, we come together because uh, myself and Dave, we were at the the beating game. Against KPR only a couple of days ago, Jay, uh, Dave jetted straight off to Egypt. Off after that, um, and Cole Messi wrote an article which we'll put up on the description box of this podcast about the B team as well. And he just threw up a lot of questions and a lot of highlights and stuff. And after seeing the B team and also interviewing a number of people, we just thought we were going to sit down and discuss it. But first of all, let's go to where we went a couple of days ago when we went to QPR. We went down to QPR training down in Harlington near Hayes. And we went to go and watch QPR reserves play Brentford B team. So B team games happening, and we thought, who's the best person to give us the lowdown on the B team? But Rob Rowan. Rob Rowan, how are you doing? Not bad, thank you. Yourself? I'm all right, man. Now, first of all, I'll ask you, what exactly is your title? What is your role? What do you do in Brentford? Um, my role is head of football operations. Um, I work pretty much closely with the B team. Um, involved in little parts with the first team, but significant involvement with the B team. Now, I mean, you've obviously been very much involved in this whole building of the B team when the, the academy closed, and then you were one of the main people put in charge of building this B team. Could you tell us what it's all about? Um, we have a very unique games programme. We try and play against some of the best teams around the world. Um, You've probably seen that so far with Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Man City. We It's very different, we only have two teams in the club now, rather than with academies, I think you have around 10 in the academy and the first team. So it's just trying to sh- almost shorten that experience for a player within the football club that he's got a couple of years to get into the first team, if not he can go elsewhere, or ideally they become a first team player at Brentford. I mean they saw the B team form but a lot of people don't really know the difference between the academy and the B team. What is the main difference? Probably more so the, the games programme where it's not really 
as structured as it was in the academy in terms of a game every Saturday against a team within your league. We have far more flexibility. We can play against any level of opposition, whether it be a team that's stronger than us, less opponents compared to us, teams out with the country, first teams. And also we get the flexibility of creating almost scenarios, so for example a Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday experience which the players need in order to become first team players. Uh, I would say that's probably the key The key difference is the ownership it gives us over our programme and our setup. What is the strategy behind the B team? Um, we have a three year plan for it to become established, so the first year like any other sort of business is just the start up where we understand we'll come across few faults in the way. Um, we want to be competitive this year, have a good games programme. If we're competitive we'll get those fixtures again next year which will mean we'll be more attractive to players of a higher level than previously and we want to promote one player to the first team by the end of the season. I think you're, you're almost putting non-negotiables in place for the club in 5, 10, 15 years. And you talk about non-negotiables, I mean you seem to be very adamant about these non-negotiables. What exactly is a non-negotiable? It's almost something that comes up from the top level of the club where, for example, we have a minimum of two players training with the first team every week. Um, we have a, f a player travelling with the first team to every away game to get that sort of experience and initiation. And Dean and remember one of his staff will come and take a training session with the B team every week. So those are little things that we we almost demand happens. Obviously we're fortunate enough where Dean really buys into youth development and wants to help that process. So non-negotiables basically protect the club. It means you don't rely on your head coach to create the pathway. You have the pathway and the head coach comes in and buys into it. So in effect what you're saying is that you are forcing a scenario that these B-team players become part of the A-team in some way. Yeah, I wouldn't say force. I think what we're doing is allowing them the opportunity to impress. I think there's no demand on Dean to promote the players or there's no specific places allocated to the players. They need to go and impress and prove that they can improve to everyone else that they can be in that team. What we're doing is putting a pathway in place to allow them to have that opportunity. What's a successful day? What's what 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 are you hoping to achieve from today's match? Um, we've obviously got a few different things happening today. We've got players coming back from injury, so you have Justin Shibu who's going to be playing for five minutes. Um, for the first team perspective, you've got Rico Henry getting some minutes as well. So from that perspective, we want them to go for the game. Obviously, no problems. From Kev's perspective, you know Kev will be wanting to win the game, and it's QPR. So for us. We want to win the game and then hopefully we can see some sort of dominant performances from from all the players really but I think most importantly for this game is to win the match. And today's match takes place on a training ground, some of the Brentford B team games take place at our training ground. We've seen some matches take place at Griffin Park, um, again is that something that you want to see encouraged more games like that so they can feel part of they almost feel like they're 18 players more more, more often yeah we're, um, that was one of our objectives at the start was to try and have as much games at Griffin Park as possible the difficulty is obviously you want the pitch to be in perfect condition for the first team I think this season the pitch has been top class so we need to respect and honour that but they're the, player, they're the games sorry, that our players look forward to the most the staff look forward to it as well the whole, I spoke about it previously, the whole under the lights thing, I wasn't really sure if that was like a cliche, but um, it's by speaking to the staff and speaking to the players, that's that's the big games for them. So we're looking to try and get one on 21st of March, um, hopefully we can bring a good game to Griffin Park, hopefully again get a good turnout. I'm speaking to the guys about potentially Man City are looking to play us on the 15th of May, which is a week after the first team season finishes. So ideally we can get the stadium for that, but maybe the groundwork will start on in terms of improving the pitch and stuff so uh, hopefully we can get confirmation of that because that would be a good one to finish the season with. You speak to the players, the young players, have you noticed a difference in their attitude, their confidence level since all these non-negotiables have been put into place? I remember speaking to Chris, Chris yeah. Meckle, he came up to me and he said look I'll be honest with you Rob, I was like I wasn't I wasn't sure about what was going to happen here, my agent wasn't sure, I wasn't sure if I should stay here 
but he was quite confident that it was better. From that perspective, we get quite a lot of good feedback from the players. There's other areas where we can still be better at. Um, we obviously want to have more than two players, so we need the players to maybe step up and show that they can be there more often. Um, <coughs> I think the feedback's been positive, but we know that we can improve in different areas as well. Going forward, do you, do you think it's going to help recruiting the, the next the next cohort, the next the next tranche of players that we need to, to make this an ongoing success? Yeah, I think so. The feedback's been really good from other agents or even other clubs and big clubs that have spoke to us about potentially being an exit strategy for those players. Now potential players or a high level of players will be looking at us thinking, you know what, I quite fancy going there, they're getting some debuts, they're training with the first team, they're playing against some of the biggest teams all over Europe, they're travelling over Europe. I'm quite confident that we are at, we're more appealing. I guess that knocks on to the, those that do make it into the, the A-team, they can also see Brentford are a club that never stands in a player's way um, as long as we're, you know, as long as we're rewarded and we get we get the players' value. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for us, it's our main objective is just to produce first-team players. Um, I don't think if we say first-team players. I, I don't think if we're in League One, it'd be easier. Or League Two, we should always be looking to produce. Premier League level players and those players will be able to play in the Championship so it's very important for us to keep trying to produce the top level player and then eventually should break through Isn't it true to say that we are slightly victims of our own success at Brentford we're a Championship club so if you've got players coming through they find it more difficult to get into the first team whereas maybe if we were a Division 1 or a Division 2 club it may be easier for them and I'm going to cite an example of Alfie Mawson you know, he couldn't get into the Brentford first team, so he went straight to Wickham's team, became a key player there, moved up to Barnsley, then he's moved up to the Premier League. So that gave him his chance because he's got his, he got the play because he started off at a team which had probably less uh, risk than what we have. I think that's where the loan model comes into it. That's where you need to be very strategic in terms of where you place players, what environment they're in, how much game time they're getting. That can almost be their step from the B team let's say first team experience then into our first team um, but I think I think we can get to a point where the level is high enough in the B team that players can progress just from the B team straight into the first team that's 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 another goal of ours is to make our environment so strong that we feel confident they can step up the games have got to be really strong so players can step up and if not and if there is every every case is different you get some players that we've got Manny out on loan just now some players need that experience and need to go and understand what it's like to be competing at that level. But some players, usually I think sometimes the younger ones, they just they can go straight in. Like I think 17, 18 year olds, a lot of them can actually just go straight into the team because there's almost like no fear. But when you've got the slightly older ones, Manny, um, James Ferry and stuff, they need to go and get a bit of experience before they can actually break through. So, I mean... When you send them when you send them away though on loan, so for example, because it's a really good, you know, fans look at this positively. They think, okay, if players going away on loan, you always want to see them do really well. But obviously, the difficulty is that when they go away on loan, you lose a lot of control. I mean, we look at the situation. I know it's the first team with Hotter. Hotter goes to Ebar. We want him to get more game time, and he got no game times, which didn't suit us. So if you've got these young developing players who are obviously on only a certain amount of contract before you have to make another decision, you might send them away for six months. Uh, and they get no game time. So how can you control that? Most of it comes down to how you... Sh you need to be a little bit clever. You need to structure the deals. Of, so, for example, I know there's a few Premier League clubs that use a similar model where if the player goes up to the club and he plays, let's say, 85% or above games, they play, the, the club will pay a small amount towards his wages. If he plays 50% or less, they'll pay his full wages. So these small clubs who might not be able to particularly afford the wages. It's in their interests to play them as much as possible and then therefore the club's covered because they're guaranteeing them that experience. So you, you almost need to be clever in terms of how you structure the deals. And in terms of monitoring the progress, that's I think it's an area where the club probably had quite a weakness in previously and I think we're working on that now in terms of with Manny, we're in regular contact, myself, Dean, Rich. Kevin will constantly phone him, we'll speak to his manager at Cheltenham, um, we'll speak to his agent. I think that's somewhere where 
we've identified this and we need to improve and I think it's improved quite a lot and what's the next move because say you know Mandy goes to Cheltenham he plays six months there he comes back in the summer and I know it's, it's very difficult to say but technically what is the next move because also it's quite difficult because it depends on what's going on in and around the first team as well you know there's quite a few central defenders in Brentford's first team as well so what's you know Manny saying is he, you know, he going to go I've got no chance here or is it make him even more hungry I think there's a few scenarios there's a scenario where he comes back plays in the first team he's better than the other ones the other scenario is he goes on loan again in league one um, and then the final scenario is he just leaves the club has a career somewhere else hopefully I think there's there's so many different variables that kind of influence that um, he needs to maximise his loan just now he's starting it's interesting we followed it where he started off honestly quite poorly and he's gradually got better and now he's looking like a key player for him so it's it's important he maximises this chance of being away understanding what it's like to compete at that level and let's be honest most of the teammates are trying to get paid in order to live basically um, so it's, un- it's interesting to see how he takes that experience and learns from it and then comes back hopefully stronger into the club and that's interesting as well because the way that you say that he is uh, he's in effect making mistakes at Cheltenham um, because we've seen the scenario where we've had players coming in, into our team and from day one they've started to make mistakes and people have slated them off and oh my god I can't believe what he's doing there but it might have taken them a year or two years to actually kind of get to grips so uh, surely that is kind of takes a little bit of weight off your shoulders if somebody else is kind of shouldering that responsibility. <laughs> yeah, no, it's ideal if it's not Benford, <laughs> but um, it's part part of his learning. I think the co- if you listen to actually the Cheltenham manager's comments, he accepts that as well. That this is part of his development. He's going to come in. He's going to make a few mistakes, but he also sees the quality that he adds to his team. Um, for us, it's important just to see if he's. If he's learning, if, if those mistakes are getting lesser and lesser, and it seems to be that way, so it's just a matter of monitoring his progress, really. Ready, let's get a second ball! Second ball, up. So at the BT match here, playing QPR, Brentford QPR at the QPR training ground. Bees are 1-0 down at the moment now, but still looking quite lively. You've got Dean Smith, the Brentford manager, looking on. Dean. What do you think of that first half? They've done all right. I mean, because uh, QPR have got quite a strong team out. They've not got a game the weekend. Um, so they're playing a, a lot of the players who would normally be in the squad for the first team. You know, we've got Rico playing his first 45 minutes. Um, and the players have done well. But it's what I expect of them now. They compete with everybody they play against, to be honest. Uh, you know, they've, they've done really well right from the start of the season. We've, uh, you know, Kevin and Fleming. Uh, Fleming's obviously gone there but Alan Steele stepped up to the plate and you know we've got some really good players and you say QPR have got a strong side I mean they've got Ravel Morrison they've got a few I mean a few big name players in there haven't they yeah they certainly have um, it's a strong team uh, Robinson's playing at left back and Silla as you say um, Morrison as well so uh, it's, it's a very strong team and it's a, these are the tests that we want for our B team players we don't want them to just be playing you know 21's football uh, these games like this where it's against first team players who an experienced first team players is where, where they'll learn the game The B team ethos I mean the B team has been started fairly recently and you know when the uh, the academy was shut down Brentford came under a lot of stick but you know from, from what I can gather the way that the B team has sort of kind of grown over the last six months or so you, uh, Brentford seem to be very happy with it yeah, we are. I mean, you know, it's it's obviously disappointing to a lot of people that the academy went, you know, parents alike. Um, but, you know, we, we had a plan of what we wanted to do and we wanted to give more more players the better, a better chance of making it into the first team squad. Uh, I feel with the B team system at the moment, it's working. Um, you know, Reese Cole has been with us, you know, and trained, trained with us for the last two months he's been on the bench for us you've got Ilias who's been on the bench this season for us uh, James Ferry's been pushing um, you know so we've got a large number of these players uh, obviously Mepham got his debut as well against um, uh, Eastley in the cup so we've got some really good players and we're hoping that we can provide a pathway that we didn't feel we could have with the, with the academy I mean Bradford obviously transfer window and we've got you know, a certain amount of players but we're still looking at other players but out there 
I mean, I was looking around and you've mentioned a few names. There are potentially some players who might even turn out for us next season. But I mean, I mean for me, the players that you've already put on the bench, like your Mephams, you know, you've got, I think, Shaibu started against um, Exeter, Exeter, who's down at Exeter as mm. well. So, um, and you've got Reese Cole as well. So these seem to be the players who seem to be next on the line for Brentford, you know, pushing them out. Yeah, they are. And um, that's what we want. We want players to be pushing, you know, within the system, um, pushing the first team players. I think the more they train with us, the uh, the more used they they get they get to playing with first team players and uh, you know certainly you know the ones we've just spoke about you wouldn't they don't look out of place when they train with us hence them getting on the on the bench now and, and challenging for the place and keep the half second half, second half of this game I mean we flipped around a bit I mean uh, Henry's going to play another ten fifteen minutes before he comes off is he yeah he is yeah I mean he's uh, he had the operation obviously um, back in early January I think it was or late January when we signed him. Um, and he's, he looks good. He's played the uh, first 45 minutes. I just spoke to him and he said, I've got another 15 minutes. So I'm really pleased and you know, we'll be coming back into the squad soon. And it'll be a big boost. I've obviously had him at Warsaw. He's a very good player. And um, you know, it's good to have him you know, playing some minutes. And Justin Shaber has been injured as well with a hamstring injury for quite a while. So it's great to see him have his first, first 45 minutes in a while. Okay, cheers. Good luck with that, Dean. And obviously, big match as well. I'm ready tonight. Good luck with that one as well. Thanks very much. Cheers, Billy. Where can you get it, Mike? Help him! Move, Yen! Move, Yeni! Fred! So, Rob, I mean, we've played Bayern Munich, we've played Liverpool, we've played Man United, we've played Reading, we've played QPR, we've played what, Valencia. I mean, we've played I mean, pretty illustrious teams out there. I mean, how do you choose your matches? Um, we obviously just look for the higher level of opponent. Um, I wouldn't say there's any particular skill or anything that goes into the fixture planning, <laughs> to be honest with you. We're just looking for strong opponents. Ideally, it's a, an older age group than us, so we're looking hopefully a first team or a strong point of freeze team, but I think it's been quite clear with our games programme that the higher level opponent we can get, the better. Um, and we've, we've managed to do that this season quite a lot. Um, but there's also, sometimes we look for, for example, when we played Manchester United, straight after that we immediately played Stevenage, so it was easy for us. It's, it's kind of getting the players to not get in the comfort of playing these big, massive games when the next minute you're at Stevenage's training ground and you've got to compete in horrendous weather against proper men's football, basically. And you're saying also, it's interesting because we're playing here against QPR and they've put out a number of big, heavy hitters against us. And you're saying this actually has an advantage in a game like this, which is not a traditional academy match. Is that right? Yeah, the good thing is obviously the clubs, when we play against them, it's described as a friendly match, but they're never really treated like a friendly match. It basically allows a club to play as many senior players as they want. We often find when you play these clubs that, as I said, like today they're playing four, five, six first-team players. So it's a brilliant opportunity for our players. We had, when we played Chelsea, they were playing Patrick Bamford, Kennedy, um, various other first-team players, so getting that experience, if you're a Chris Mepham and you're having to defend up against Patrick Bamford, you, you can't get that anywhere else. Just for your own heart, as <laughs> such, I mean, they've played a number of matches this season, and what match for you is the fondest memory? Um, I, I really enjoyed the Liverpool game at Griffin Park. Uh, I think the games at Griffin Park are always the special ones, because you get good attendance, players love it, because it's under the lights, it's, we've got around thousand pounds, or a thousand people there. Um, the Liverpool game obviously went to a penalty shootout, so it was a bit of suspense. I was also I was speaking to the Liverpool chief scout who attended the game, and he he was really complimentary just about the match. Rather than the teams or individual players, he just enjoyed watching the match. And for us, that's what we wanted to create. We wanted to create conditions or an environment where the players are properly tested. So yeah, the Liverpool game probably. So we've got Kev O'Connor, B-team coach, QPR, I know 2-0 today, but sometimes it's not necessarily about the result, it's about the, the, the match and how they play it, isn't it? Yeah, but today obviously against QPR, the results, it's a painful one. But yeah, you're right, it was disappointing today, disappointing performance, we've been doing really well recently, had some good results, some good performances more importantly, and today we just dropped below our standards, so... We are disappointed, but we'll look at it, we'll learn, and then hopefully we'll kick them on again. I mean, again, I haven't been to that many B-team matches, but I've been to a few and I've seen this play really well. Keep the seem to pull out a few sort of heavy hitters for this game as well, didn't they? Yeah, they had, they had a strong team, yeah, they did. But that's, that's what we want, that's what our players should want to play against to prove that they're good enough. 
and today was an opportunity for that which which we failed a little bit but yeah I'm, I'm sure it will give them the experience when that happens next time that they can play better. In general I mean over the season the B team's only been going for six months or so now and uh, you know we've played some some big teams you know you've got Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Man United, we've had some absolutely great results I mean for you um, it must be a really great feeling, especially coming through the, the, the ranks at Brentford as, as, a, as, a, as a youth team player. Yeah, I think the boys are really lucky with the setup it is now. They have access to a lot of quality in the staff and, and the facilities, and it's all there for them if they want it to hopefully get the best out of themselves. You can never guarantee someone's going to be a professional, but you can, you, you can as an individual guarantee you're going to give it everything you've got and get the best out of yourself. So they had that opportunity to do that here. And then whether they're good enough is another matter. But like I say, they, they can really push themselves to the limit. Um, I, th- I think the structure of it is really good where we try as much as we can to get two players in every first team session, training session. So that really helps the boys being exposed to that level of football. And then hopefully they can, again, gain the experience on that. And, and obviously the ultimate aim is them to stay there. But we're excited. There's a, there's a few players, I'm not going to name names, I'm not going to put pressure on them, but we have two or three, possibly four, that we think could potentially get into that squad and stay there. So it's exciting, but we have to we have to make sure that at least one or two do that. You won a tournament in Scandinavia recently. How did that feel? It was nice. It was it was different. It was on AstroTurf. It was two 60-minute games in one day and then a final two days later. So it was, it was a tough experience, again, for the players to, to play that amount of minutes in a short space of time but it was, it was brilliant to get the, the team together and to win it was an added bonus so it was yeah it was fantastic it was good for the boys and we need to kick on now though and Bayern Munich I mean there's not many players that can say we played against Bayern Munich I mean that must have been an unbelievable experience yeah again that was really nice we, we, we went to their training ground had a look round went to the main stadium as well the next day after the game and uh, the Alliance Arena so yeah that was, it was brilliant again that was on Astro Surf again so it's a different challenge for the boys and they were, they were a good standard, obviously, you'd expect from Bayern, and, and we stood up to them, so it was, it was a real positive on the day. Kev, good luck with the B team, mate. We really look forward to seeing a player coming through again. Yeah, so do I, hopefully. So, match over here at Harlington. QPR beat Brentford 2-0. Not quite the result we wanted, but we have to look at the bigger picture here. A really interesting day out that I had today. Really interesting, looking to see exactly how the B team works. It's a really professional outfit. Also, the fact that everybody was here, from Dean Smith to O'Kelly to Thomas Frank, all the coaches were there, all these loads of analysts were there. Everyone was down there watching this game. They're obviously taking it really seriously. And also speaking to Dean Smith and Kev O'Connor and uh, and Rob Rowan as well, they were just saying the same thing. It's interesting. They were talking about how it's a top-down approach that they have and the fact that they're getting really excited about B-team players playing in the A-team, training with the A-team, trying to get a player through one, one a season, one a year, you know, and, and the bigger picture. And, and, and it seems that they've got a really unified strategy and fingers crossed it's going to work, but we don't know. I mean, it's been put into place for six months now and it seems to be working wonders so far, but the proof is in the pudding as to whether or not we actually get any players who come through and play for the first team and only time will tell but at the moment now things are looking positive we're getting some good games they've got some good training they've got some good people around them and we're pulling players in but within the next 12 months or so we'll see how things pan out whether or not we do actually get players playing for our first team exciting times so interesting day out in Harlington watching the Brentford P team play QPR reserves. Like you said, you heard from Kevin Connor, you heard from Dean Smith, Brentford manager, and also you heard from Rob Rowan, who's very much in charge of the operation of the B team. I mean, Dave, we went down there, we spent all day with these guys. Um, what was your first impressions? <clears throat> My first impressions of the match were that Brentford looked really composed. We looked very comfortable against a very strong um, Rangers reserve team. Um, I think we, the wheels came off a little bit second half and um, the Rangers experience showed. Um, but speaking to uh, the people involved in the, the interviews you just heard, the B team seems to be um, something we should be extremely excited about and extremely proud about. And <clears throat> the decision to, uh, to change the academy, to what was the academy set up, seems to be vindicated. Um, and, you know, I think it's a relief to everyone involved. But as fans, you know, sticking a fan's you know, um, hat on, um, it's something we should 
gain quite a lot of confidence from because you know obviously we need our owner to be um, spending money wisely we don't really want to be hemorrhaging debt every year and um, the, the academy was part of us losing you know, quite a lot of money as a football club and it, it seems to be a very structured very professional very accountable um, mechanism and you know the more the more you speak to the people that are running our club the more you speak to um, the personalities and you you actually engage with them and you find out more and more about their their their, their thinking their mythology you you realize what a nice bunch of people we have assembled at our football club and how Brentford they really are and that's that's not that's not sort of um, that's not sort of like papering over any mistakes that have been made because you know we, we're all on a learning curve together you know we've, we're we're at this this level of football for you know the first time in our lifetimes and it's our fourth year next year assuming some ridiculous disaster doesn't happen so you know it, it, I I the more I find out the more I talk to people that are involved in the club. I, the more confident I am that we will maintain where we are at least and any talk of us going to another level isn't gobbledygook. What I would emphasise though as well is that you know in the whole conversations that we had with them, like I said, we spoke to Rob Rowan, we spoke to, to Dean Smith, we spoke to Kev O'Connor and there was no, they didn't look back at the academy or they didn't put down the academy because I think that they realised that, you know, it, 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 you know the, the academy was something which Brentford were very proud of um, but they had to, sounds like they had to make a move, but they didn't sit down and say, look, the B team is better than the academy or anything like that. All they kept talking about is the B team, and it's almost like there's a focus on moving forward. There's no moving back. It's all about moving forward. Where are we going to go from here? How do we make this work? What I also thought was interesting that they kind of, um, especially speak to Rob Rowan, he, you know, he would put his hands up and sort of says, you know, we, you know, we're still not where we think we're going to be. We still make some mistakes. But we are very, very happy with our progress this year. And if anything, we think that we've actually kind of superseded where we thought we would be, um, which I think is, is really interesting. I mean, Carl, you wrote this article about the B team, and I know you had a little listen to that. Are they out? You know, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing you've got to probably address is when the academy closed, it was going to be an emotive issue. You know, parents... You know, and the kids that are going to be that are moving out of the academy are going to um, are going to be upset by it. But when you when you have a look at why the club had to move away from it, um, it, you know, in the article that I wrote, there was a there was a bit there about two players in particular that that had been through the academy system, um, and then just as they're you know getting to the point where they're going to sign new contracts, that they're poached by the bigger clubs. You know, Man United came in for Osh uh, Bahoe and Ian Carlos Pavela that went off to Man City. So the club had to do something. And, you know, just listening to Rob Rowan there in the clip that you played, I think it's, I think it's just an interesting concept. You know, they, uh, the, the games programme that he talks about is clearly set up to try and test the players as best as, best as you possibly can. Um, and so far, I think they've met that challenge really, really well. And as he said, they're not going to get everything right. But what they are going to do is learn from mistakes and, and hopefully... Uh, it's only going to benefit the players coming through. I think. I think already, even at this early stage, we're starting to see a benefit. In the B team games, are really, really impressed with the quality and also how they're managing to get the almost the style of football the first team to play. You know, over in the first team. I think. It, I think it's looking good. It's a good start. I think what was interesting is. Um, it's is really serious. I mean, I went down there and uh, you could feel how serious the setup is. Um, everyone was there for a start for that game. I was quite surprised. Like we turned up and they got the old uh, the old Art Deco pavilion there at um, Harlington. And I looked up and I thought, you know, there's Dean Smith. There was uh, Kelly was there. Thomas Frank was there. A whole load of analysts were there as well. Like you know, what I'm saying, it's like everyone has sort of turned out for this QPR match to watch. You know, the B team, which you could sort of think for them, maybe a little bit nervous because they're thinking, oh, the big boss is here, you know, what's going to happen next? Did you say, sorry, sorry, Bill, did you say R. Kelly was there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he, he certainly, he, he certainly, I'll tell you something, the security were pretty hardcore, as you probably know, Laney, 
in there and I think that they definitely would not have allowed R. Kelly to go anywhere near that place at all because it was uh, it was very tricky to try and get in anywhere actually they were throwing people out left right and centre but um, but yeah they, they, you know they, they were all there kind of watching you know and we stood with them chatting away and uh, they were commenting on the game you know very positive you know, not negative but just sort of saying what could be done saying you know how such such is tight how they've lost their shape here you know and you're sort of thinking it's you know I know you sort of said, it's their job. And I thought, yeah, it is their job. But, you know, it, it's obviously quite a serious thing for the football club because, you know, when you get, you know, possibly them people out there, for them to actually be at that match there, they must obviously kind of be really looking, thinking, you know, where are, the, where are these lot going? Where are these kids going? And, of course, like, when I chat to Dean Smith, I can't remember if he put it in his interview or not, and he was chatting about the fact that, you know, his whole background is, is youth football. You know, he said that, you know, talked to him about the idea of um, chucking kids in at 17, 18, 19 years old. We're saying it's difficult for them in the championship. And it's interesting, his point of view is that, why? Not really. I said, if they're ready, they might as well just throw them in. He goes, I got thrown in 17 years old when I played against Sunderland. Seven-year-old kid, I didn't know what to do, but I just had to get on with it. So it's kind of like you can see that he's got a real kind of, that's his vibe. And, you know, maybe this whole kind of link with Dean Smith and the youth and bringing them through. You know, he seemed really proud when he's chatting about the fact that, yeah, we've got Reese Cole and he's been training with us for the last, what, two months, you know. We, we make sure that we've got at least a couple of players, you know, doing stuff with us. We make sure that they're there on the match day and getting the match day experience. For him, it's like, that was just the business. And I'm sort of thinking it's, it's really quite interesting how they've got these things in place and how enthusiastic they are to kind of have this real proper structure to make it work, lady. I've got to agree, and, and that's what, what when, when you sort of adopt the stance that we, we try and do it beside, and you kind of engage and you're proactive and you try and find out um, what what you know the, the, the story behind people and find out the personality behind the people to find out how they tick and the, the decisions and the strategies that are in place. The more the more you find out how how well organized things are so you know you, you read in some places is it's chaos or it's you know it's black and white it's positive negative there's, there's no gray and you know what we're finding out is these these people aren't they're not they're not chances these people aren't aren't sort of robbing a wage not robbing a living these, these people are intelligent football people they may not be like they may not come from the the, the, the tried and tested um harry harry redknapp sam allardyce gravy train nosing trough but these people are modern forward thinking football people and that's the only way our club can survive it's the only way we can thrive is, is for, for alternative thinking and um, doing things differently and we you know we should be fu- we should be excited that our club are finding people like Joe Zoo and Lotta and, and Lasse Viva and Colin and Barbe and you know, even the ones that have failed, you can't you can't get it right every time. It's the same same story. B team, though. The, the, when you when you when you scratch below the surface, you go and watch, you go and find out, you go and speak to these people, you find out that 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 sort of that that thought process, that methodology, that that way of thinking, that ethos is from top to bottom. And you know, you know, it, it, it might be Matthew Benham's DNA seeping through. The, the, the whole the whole um, structure of the club it may be seeping the other way from people like Rob Rowan um, and, the, and the directors of football you know they've come under this almighty barrage of abuse but you know it was only two weeks ago where one of the biggest critics Jim Levac of the directors of football said we had a 95% success rate in the transfer market that may not you know that may that may be too high but you know again where not you get if, if we did in stats the way they did in stats sometimes you get a better picture the Massey, I mean, you were commenting on the matches that we played, and okay, they mentioned some of them, like you know, Bayern Munich and Liverpool and Man United, and they got decent results against them. Playing against, you know, Chelsea, they played quite a few times. QPR, interestingly, that's the first time QPR have beaten us in three outings, actually. And as you heard, Kev O'Connor was really gutted. Then we tried to do the old, uh, it's all about the the match and not the result. And he's like, no, 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 it's about the result. You know, we should have lost against them because he knows they've beaten them twice already, and uh, this should have been the third time that they should have beaten them. You know, so um, yeah, they should have beaten them the third time, and they didn't do. But the matches that they played, um, you were impressed, the Messi, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I mean, if you look down the 
you know, first of all, Rob Rowan again was talking about the, uh, the fixture list uh, and the games program that they tried to put together. You know, when you look down that list of the teams you play, the likes of Villarreal, Valencia, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, you know, there's there's huge clubs that are playing. Um, that, you know, they're absolutely huge clubs that we're playing, and we're getting results. Um, and I, yeah, I, I was, I was seriously impressed. I mean, we went to uh, the B team went to Southampton and uh, and beat them five two. Um, I know they played, uh, they played Tottenham and, and narrowly lost three one. You know, going out and getting a draw against Bayern Munich. And I think, I think what it shows is the buy-in um, from the whole club. Obviously, Rob Rowan has worked extensively to get the games program together, but he's just had backing from everyone else at the club to try and make it work and uh, he gave an interview to to the BBC I think um, where he mentioned that these younger players that are going to be you know afforded the opportunity to have the same facilities that the first team would get they're going to have the same exposure that the first team get to help them you know when they do make that step up but it's not alien to them and and when you think of the likes of Reese Cold as you say training day in day out the first team and and others are being selected to travel with the first team and some are making you combine that you know them playing against some of these some of these huge sides like Manchester United and Liverpool and Valencia experiencing the likes of them I I almost fail to see how it's not going to be a benefit to you it's it's been an impressive start I am I'm I'm impressed by it so far and I've got high hopes I tell you what, Bill. I'm so impressed that I'm actually going to ditch the A team for next year, and I'm going to just follow the B team. <laughs> a, we get Europe, we get European football, and we win most weeks. <laughs> so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. We talked about certain matches, and I know you asked a question about the uh, like the FA Youth Cup and certain prestigious matches for uh, for youth team games, the uh, Massey. And, and he says, like, are we missing out having the structure that we've got of playing these type of games? Uh, I can't answer that question. Obviously, um, you know, we probably have to put that question out there. And, you know, it, it obviously it is very important. The flip side of it is that obviously Chelsea win these uh, youth, the youth cup, I think it's every year, every couple of years, Chelsea win the youth cup. But then hardly any of their players actually end up in their first team. They end up going down to our league and stuff like that. I think what was interesting is what um, that they're explaining the fact that a lot of their players who play in those matches, um, so against QPR, there are a lot of first teamers in effect so there was like a really strong team you know like I said to you there's Ravel Morrison there was Silla there was like you know quite a lot of players in that team playing the QBR first team they're saying that if it was a, a normal academy match there'd only be I think a maximum of three who were able to play but this actually really raises the bar and it actually makes players play against stronger players which actually can only be a good thing if you look at our objective so yeah you might go and win the youth cup or get to the semi-finals or the quarter-finals but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, what is your end point? Is it kind of, yeah, winning the Youth Cup? Or is it to actually have players that actually come through and can play against, you know, proper league players in your side? The Messi. Yeah, and there's, there's, two sides, there's two sides to every coin. But I think if you're putting together those kind of fixtures in the early sort of six months, first, first year, I think... Like, like you say, because we're not tied into the rules of, of the reserve leagues or the, uh, the development, the development pro, uh, professional development program plan, whatever it's called, um, I, I do get, I do get the impression that these, uh, you know, these bigger teams will, will choose Brentford to compete against when they're looking to get their first team players fit. You, you saw it at QPR with the likes of Ravel Morrison and Silla, as you mentioned. Um, I know they like Chelsea and, and Tottenham, and in both both fixtures against them, there's been some first teams that, that have featured. So, and I think as as it goes on, perhaps we might start to see you know, more of the bigger clubs putting out some of their first team stars that need fitness, because they're not limited by the the amount that they can fill. The the other side of it, you know, there is going to be there is going to be cons when you move away from an, uh, an academy. There will be you can't get away from it, but. You know, it, it did a pros outweigh it, and at the moment, it seems to be. I, I think only time will tell. I think for the next three or four seasons, we're going to be all right. I think um, there's a lot of clubs with academies that are going to be absolutely fascinated by what we're trying to do, and they'll be they they, they won't let that fascination like be be sort of um, curtailed by us not playing in their league. They'll want to see 
what we're doing. They'll want to play us. They want to see how good we are without their kind of um, academy set up and that academy league. And, and they'll they'll be intrigued to, to know whether they're going to go the same way. We're, we're, we're on the cutting edge of this. We've, we've bucked a trend. Um, we follow the trends and then we've bucked it. And um, they'll be keen to know whether there's um, a way of producing talent or picking up talent from elsewhere without without pumping money into an academy system that really it either only creates players for other clubs or it creates one player for your A-team eventually. And you've got dozens of players that are only there just to make that one player look good or develop, you know. So it, it, it can be really wasteful or it can it can be like Chelsea have done. It can be a, another alternative me, um, a revenue stream. You know, that's why Chelsea is strong. That's why Chelsea win the FA Youth Cup every year is because their youth, their, their academy setup actually um, creates a lot of money for them. You know, Swifts and um, Savills and, you know, all, all these players that have come through, you know, um, they, they, they're making money out of, of, of their academy. And, um, you know, but we, we can't do that. So you know, I'm sure our fixture list isn't going to be struggling because, because um, you know, these, these other clubs are going to be desperate to, to try and find out what we're doing. So the question is, just quite a bit, are there any negatives on BT? For me, um, for, for me, I think you, I think you do, you do lose a bit of community. You do lose that... Um, um, the ability for kids like my son, when he when he when he was at Brentford for a short spell, to make make him feel part of their club and the the dream of playing for their club, because what you're doing is you're cherry picking other 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 clubs players predominantly, and one or two that may may come through um, a, a more, for want of a better word, traditional route. So I think I think you do lose you do lose a bit of that community spirit, um, but. You know, you've got to ask your question whether pumping two, two, three million quid a year into that system is 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 wise at this stage in time, because you know what two or three million pounds buys you in the transfer market. You know, it's uh, it's the next Andre Gray, it's the next Odebagio, it's the next Ryan Woods, it's the next, you know, all all of those, and that next Lassie BB, the next Colin, the next Barbay, all of those players together cost three million. So um, you know that that's what we're up against at the moment. You know the 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 the, 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 the stats, the money, the you know the, the the finance of that football club is that we can't be losing money that we don't need to. And you know who's to say the academy won't be set up again once we're an established Premiership club? That's what we've got a hope for. And you know we our our record in the transfer market of late is is pretty strong both buying and selling so you know we've just got to hope that continues and this B team looking at the talents within that I, I, I you know I'm I'm up for seeing some of it earlier rather than later if I'm honest with you um, I, I think we're leaking goals in the A team I think there's a fundamental problem there I don't think it's a fundamental problem in the personnel necessarily but I think the combination that's being played I think we need to lose maybe two of that of that um, set up um, I think there'd be great players elsewhere, but for whatever reasons, it's not, it's not happening with us. And I think that 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 provides that gateway, that that route from B team into A team. And I think we've got a talent there. And Rob Rowland, from listening to him, he thinks that talent's there too. So I think I think that's what that's what needs to happen. Massey, what do you think? I mean, looking at 12 months, we've got a bit of B team action coming. Do you think? Um, Positive, but where do you think we'll be in 12 months' time? Do you think we'll still be looking back and sort of saying we're looking for the next one to come through, or do you think we're actually going to see some results? Well, from what I, you know, from, from the, the research I did when I wrote that article and from what I've seen so far, I, I think there's a few that are all already on the verge of the first team, uh, and that, that might not be, you know, like what Tom Field's done where he's come in and, and nailed down the left back spot, but I, I think. You know, by the end of the, t- the first 12 months, you know, I, I do think we're going to see the likes of, you know, perhaps Justin Shibu, um, you know, be on the bench more regularly. Um, and, and I think the target that they set of two players in the first team by the end of the season, I think they're going to exceed it, um, just from just from what I've seen. So I think I think short term, it's it's all looking very very positive. 
Um, my only my, my only concern is that are we missing out on talent at the, at the lower age group? And I know we've talked about you know when you when you get that talent and, and they grow through the academy and we spend all that money on them and then the bigger clubs come in and poach them. And yes, that is an issue, but but are we missing out on the 14, 15 year olds that are going that are really you know look explosive and that could really add value to to our team a bit? You know, like Dave said, like oh, what Chelsea are doing, bringing players through and then selling them on if need be. So. You know, from that aspect, that's the negative that I can see is that we're missing out on a younger age group. But the way the first six to twelve months have gone so far, um, I think they I think the club are being proved right in their decision. But you know, that, that's only the first twelve months. We've got to be looking longer down the line now. You know, two years, three years, four years. Um, it'll be interesting also to see once this crop of players that we've got at the moment, once once the cream of that crop have made the first team, if they do. Can we maintain that level? Can we see it again at the end of the second year and the third year, where we've all we've always got three or four players that are pushing up? That's where the proof will be. I don't think it'll be in the first 12 months, where we've already got yeah. top-level players that are, that are looking really bright. It will be the, the second year. Can we maintain? Besotted, Pride of West London podcast, the B Team podcast. We're discussing all the joys of the B Team. And fingers crossed we get some players coming through. You know, between now and the end of the season, we should see a few of these players come in and play for the team. And like I said to you, they've got a plan. And hopefully by the end of the season, we'll see at least one player who come through the B team. And then next year, they hope to at least have at least another player come through the B team, which is uh, which is all positive. We'll be back again next week, um, next Wednesday, next Thursday. Wednesday night, we've actually got a football league meeting. So there's going to be a massive football league meeting with all the fans from the football league. Um, meeting down in London so we think we're going to do a little podcast from that so that'll be interesting just giving another little different angle as we like to do with the side but as we say Besotted Pride of West London podcast for me up in North London we've got the Massey over West Sides and we've got the Laney Egyptian side we'll catch up with you later as we say in all our different languages come on come on you guys Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. I fans.